listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. Podcasts about living with more joy, grace, and zip. Being more in your true, authentic self, having more energy, and feeling good physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We also strive to be entertaining as well as educational. We'll be interviewing experts in the field of health and well being, sharing with you our knowledge and experience to help you eat better, feel better, do better, and have a more positive outlook on life. Sound good to be true? Maybe possible? Well, then, you're in the right place. Diana Draper, N.D., is a graduate of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. As a licensed primary care provider, Dr. Draper uses natural therapies that work with the body's innate healing abilities to promote optimal, sustainable health by addressing all areas of the self. Today, Diana and I are going to chat about adrenal fatigue and the ramifications for your health and well-being. today. I'm good, Janine. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. I'm very excited uh, to have a conversation with you today because, uh, let's see, it's probably been maybe three or four months that we've been trying to make this happen. Yes, this is very true. (laughs) (laughs) Life uh, has been getting in the way of our conversation. (laughs) A little bit. It has that tendency, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um, One of the things that we had talked about is uh, talking about adrenal fatigue and uh, the ramifications of that. But I thought first, I really like to get a sense of, and I think it's really nice for the listeners to get a sense of your journey of how you chose to become a naturopath, what it took for you to become a naturopath the pitfalls, what you might do differently, (laughs) that kind of thing. And then we'll get into uh, uh, the topic of adrenal fatigue. Okay, that sounds good. So take it away. Um, How did I get into becoming a naturopath? Is that the first question we've got? Yes. Um, uh, When we were chatting, one of the things that I'd love for you to share is your story about uh, when you were eight years old, because that kind of sounded to me like the beginning of maybe the seed being planted for you of uh, when you had mono. Yes. Okay. Well, so um, my father was a dentist and, uh, my mother became a herbalist when I was in high school. So I grew up in a realm of, um, medicine, conventional medicine, naturopathic, alternative medicine. That was sort of our home theme. And when I was eight, I got mono and I was very, very serious about my dancing at that time. And so, um, we had a dance competition or wasn't it? it was a dance show in about a week that we were doing when I was diagnosed with mono. So this was the most devastating thing humanly mm. possible for me at the time. And, uh, so my dad had, he was in charge of the Cooney dental society's conferences. And the last conference that he'd run, they had a homeopath there. And so dad said, you know, cause the doctors said, our family doctor said, um, 
there's nothing we can do. Just go home and sleep and rest and, you know, give time basically. And, um, that was also devastating because I had a dance show in a week mm-hmm. and I was sleeping about 12 hours a day at that time. So dad called the homeopath. He was out on the Island. And so him and I had a phone conversation. It was about an hour and a half that we chatted. And then, uh, he sent me a remedy and it was a liquid. I wish I remember what it was, but I can't remember, but I started taking it. And within a couple days, I was better. The mono was gone and I was able to get to my dance show and perform. And so it was just this, overwhelmingly eye-opening experience where you know him and I didn't talk about my symptoms very much we talked about who I was how clean I kept my room what were my food cravings you know where were my stresses in life right now and all of these things so it was very you know for an hour and a half it was therapeutic in itself because I had someone who really wanted to know everything about me right and there's four kids in our family and I'm the youngest so having an hour and a half of an adult (laughs) really interested in me was uh that in itself was amazing, right? So um, I just found it fascinating. And the capacity to give someone something that helps their body heal, um, you know, I just, it was quite amazing. So that was the first time I think I got exposed to the power of natural medicine and the power of looking at the body from that perspective, you know, not just about your symptoms and how you're feeling, but who you are. How mm-hmm. do you manage in the world you know how do you perceive things and and how that can affect how I'm doing um you know how clean my room is I would have never thought was a determinant of my overall health right but it was part (laughs) of the of who I am and how I manage things so um now looking back I understand why he was asking those questions at the time I was just you know happy to share so so that was how it started for me and then when I did my undergrad I was in Victoria um I chose to do English and professional writing because I love to read and I had tried the sciences and it made no sense to me to do double the work for the same amount of credit because you'd <laughs> always have to do a lab component. I just thought that was ridiculous. So I did English and professional writing and in my third summer, so between my third and fourth year, I was at home uh, being a server for the summer and every morning I'd wake up and mom and I would go down to the herbal garden that she grew and, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm feeling like this today and we'd pick uh, herbs based on my mood and then we'd make tea for that and then in the evening I'd come home from serving and I'd we'd talk about something and we'd pull out the flower essences and we'd play with those and again, I just, I, that was the most, I was more passionate about doing that that summer than I was about what I was reading in school and writing this essay about whoever like it just it's again it sparked my passion about how much um how how I'm feeling where I'm at what I'm thinking about there's medicine for that you know to help that or to strengthen Mm it so um and medicine that like grew in the backyard right? Like we just walked to the backyard and picked it out. So I was really, I just, that sparked a passion in me to figure that out. Um, and then I finished school and I went backpacking for a year and a half. And then I came back from that and applied to naturopathic medical school on a total whim of, I don't know what to do with myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, uh, a lesson here for everyone, because you and I have similar stories, because my first degree was in theater and dance. 
Um, and that was mainly to avoid the sciences. <laughs> and then I went to nursing school and had to do them all anyway. So my advice to those of you listening, if you have any thought that you want to do something difficult or you're avoiding something difficult, you may as well just go for it because you're probably going to end up doing oh, what your passion is anyway. Totally. <laughs> I wish someone had said to me that because I would have gone and got my first degree in dance. You know, but I was, when I was looking at it, I was like, no, what if I break my leg? What am I going to have to, you know, fall back on? Blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, like I did an arts degree and then ended up in medicine. So, my gosh, you just end up there anyway. So go do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Figure out what your passion is and just go yeah. for it. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying to me also when we were talking earlier that um, you didn't realize how difficult it was going to be and what it was going to take to become a naturopath. So what did you draw on from your inner resources? You know, what, how did you get through it? How'd you, how'd you manage? Cause I know in nursing school, there were plenty of times I was ready to quit <laughs> and I stuck through it because I had a support person who kind of forced me to stuck through it and get, and get through and finish. Um, what did you do? How, how did you get through it? Uh, the sheer survival and stubbornness, Janine, really. <laughs> I had, you, you, there was a few things that happened when I first got to school and realized what I'd gotten myself into, you know, like growing up, we'd play with herbs and talk about feelings and do all of that, right? So I really thought I was going to go to school and we were going to learn about herbal medicine and talk about feelings and, and learn how to help people that way. Like I had no idea I was going to a medical program and day one when you're in cadaver lab cutting open dead bodies like I just kind of was looking around going what like what is happening I had I had no idea none whatsoever so I think in the first week I called my really good friends back home and said I, I want to come home I was in tears like I want to come home I don't I don't know what I signed up for I'm not ready for this and they were like no you don't get to do that you're staying so that was the first part. And then I did, I linked up with some really good people. The two roommates that I lived with, all of us felt very similar about one of them was a nurse. Um, and so she had gone to medical school and all of us had a lot of challenges around this idea of being primary care providers, dealing with cancer, you know, all, all of those serious things that after four years, you become very comfortable with in training. But on the initial day, when you're thinking, you know, I'm just going to this alternative medicine program that's going to give people an, a, you know, another option to their health care, you don't realize that, no, 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 you're becoming a doctor and you have a license and you are accountable towards, you know, three board, I'm accountable towards three different, well, one, two different governing bodies and then another association. So like I, a lot, right? There's a lot. There. It's a huge <laughs> responsibility. Yeah, which I had no idea about. And still, you know, and kind of then you get into the swing of school and you put your head down and you get her done because that's it. And so um, I have a bit of dyslexia. I have a hard time reading and pronouncing words. And mm. so I found a study group and there was four of us that we studied together every exam period out loud. And that was how I survived that piece of it. And um, otherwise, you just it's kind of a whirlwind. Like you're just you're focused on one goal, whether it's to get through that exam or to get through that year to make it to the next step and you just get it done. So I don't even think it was really until fourth year that I started to come out of that and realize like, oh my gosh, I'm almost done now. And <laughs> now I have to think about the rest of my life and what I'm going to do with it. Like, 
you know? So, um, it was ignorance, sheer ignorance. <laughs> I was doing slow, every little bit, accepting every little step of the way, learning a little bit more, but, um, yeah, sheer ignorance. And I had, I had, had a great support. I had a sister who was a lawyer, is a lawyer. And so she had gone through professional schooling um, and a father who was a dentist. And so he had gone through professional schooling. And so they were really great in the human capacity of being very realistic about like, no, they have to cut you down. You know, they're molding you into a different person who looks at the world differently and who thinks differently. And so you feeling like you're completely lost is actually just you're right on target of what you're going through right now. And that's what they have to do. And, you know, when I would call my mom crying because I'm so exhausted and we've got three more exams and how can I possibly study? And she's like, well, if you were in the ER for 12 hours straight or 24 hours straight, you know, they, they got to know that you're still going to be able to think straight. So that's what's happening. So I had some very practical mm. people in my life that, that gave me perspective at those moments when you're, you just, you couldn't do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, while you were talking, I, I had the thought, I, I think it would be really nice if you could explain from your perspective what the differences are between a naturopath and a and an MD, because I don't think a lot of people really know. You know, when is it appropriate to go to a naturopath? How how do you think differently? How do you practice differently? You know, that's a really tough one because I think every practitioner has their own way of approaching things. So I I have met quite a few family doctors, medical doctors. Um, who do a lot of the same things that I do. And then I've met a lot who do things very differently than me and naturopaths who practice very, very conventional medicine, Western medicine and other ones that, you know, steer clear and stick very, very much so to the alternative. So that's a tough one in the way of, um, you know, what the difference I try to explain to people we're all primary care providers. Um, I never went to, but you know, conventional medical school. So, mm-hmm. training wise, as far as I, you know, as far as I've experienced with working side by side with family doctors, we're trained very similarly. Uh, we speak the same language. We understand each other. We chart the same. You know, there's a lot of similarities there because we can work and pass through patients very easily on the same page. Um, where so understanding the human body and how it works and signs of illness and what to watch out for and how to navigate through finding out what that is um, are all very similar where I think the biggest difference is, is my specialty is natural medicine. Um, and their specialty is, um, well, I don't even want to say that cause I'm not sure, but they're, they know more about pharmaceuticals, I would say. Um, you know, that being said, I've met family doctors that know quite a bit about natural medicine and I've met naturopaths that know a lot about pharmaceuticals. We in BC, we have prescribing rights. So that is part of our disciplinary is to understand that and know how to do that. So, um, that's a tough one. Why people will come to a naturopath, in my opinion, people will get all realms um, because I think we need everybody at a different time or we need a lot of people all at one time. So, you know, if you break your arm, you're going to need a cast and I can't do that for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you need your family doc and, and, or your Western medicine to do that. Um, and then, but at the same time, I have a lot of natural therapies that can help 
manage the pain and help your bone heal very, very well, um, you know, without stressing out your liver or your kidney or things like that. So Mm -hmm. that's a very simple way of an analogy. I have a family doctor that I use at certain times when, um, you know, I need certain things done that naturopaths can't do. Um, and then I have a naturopathic doctor that, that I spend a lot of time with that helps me out with, with other things. So basically what you, what happens when you see a naturopath, or at least when you see me is we spend a lot of time, uh, digging into who you are and what's going on in your life and how you got to where you are at that moment and figuring that piece out. It's, so it's not just about your symptoms. We do a lot to help manage your symptoms so you're not suffering, if that's the case. But we do a lot of what I call backdoor work, so working on overall lifestyle stuff. So when the symptoms are gone, we've created habits, mentalities, um, you know, lifestyle behaviors to keep you healthy. So you don't end up back there again. I think that's one of the biggest differences when you see a naturopath, at least when you see me, we spend, you know, between 45 minutes to an hour and a half together um, in appointments to go through all of that, because you you just need that time to get to know someone. Uh, So create quite a intimate relationship with them and you start to really get to understand them and they start to get to understand you and and how you work um and i think that that's that's the biggest difference i have worked in um a medical doctor's office alongside them and and time is a big piece Mm -hmm. of that you know having Mm -hmm. the time to dig in and and get that done is uh, i think that that would probably be the biggest one so it sounds like you're and i know some some allopathic uh, physicians do this too, but especially functional medicine uh, doctors. But your your focus is in taking the time to really, really get to understand the whole person, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so that you're, you're really able to work on all realms with that person. Yes. Yeah. I'm nodding, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I- but I have yet to have someone have something going on um, and not have there be an emotional piece and a mm-hmm. mental piece and, you know, a spiritual piece, if you want to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think the human body is very, very smart at being healthy. And it's the human brain that has the capacity to really throw us off our track sometimes. And, there, you know, there's always... Um, loopholes or or exceptions to the rule in that case right and and we've seen Mm -hmm. that diabetes is one of them right you're born with not enough beta cells I mean that's just what it is Mm -hmm. but for the most part I see the human body being you know very smart at knowing how to be healthy and really wanting to be healthy and trying to keep us healthy and you know, it's us that step in the way and, and, you know, get in the way of that, right? Whether that's our lifestyle choices or our thought processes or a little bit of both or, you know, our experiences and how we choose to engage in the world. So uh, the human body is quite simple in its functioning, you know, um, once you understand it, mm-hmm. it's the human being that makes things can make things quite complicated. And I say that with a lot of compassion because I'm definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, we all are. I, I mean, it's a big spectrum. It's a, a yeah. wide spectrum. And I think we all are to one extent or another, our own worst enemy. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I will fully admit I'm, I'm a challenging patient. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. So, um, 
you had suggested that we talk about adrenal fatigue. And uh, maybe let's start with why you felt that was important and a subject that you wanted to share with people. Well, I think adrenal fatigue is important because we're seeing it. I'm seeing it more and more now. And I don't know if I'm seeing it more and more now because it's starting to become something that's recognized and it's always been around. That's always a question with medicine, right? As we get more educated, have these things been around forever and we're just catching them now? Or are they actually something that's becoming more and more epidemic in our world? Um, But adrenal fatigue for me is quite common. I see that quite often in my office. And I usually see it when people are very, very far into the process of adrenal fatigue. And that's one of the ones that... um, you know, it's quite rewarding to help people get through because when you don't feel good, you don't feel good. And when you start to feel good, it really does change your life around. And it's quite wonderful to watch, Mm -hmm. um, be part of, right. Um, but the challenge is it's also one of those conditions that doesn't change overnight. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we didn't get overnight, so it doesn't change overnight, but, but a lot of people are, we're very impatient when we don't feel good. And so, uh, you know, when you have adrenal fatigue and you're tired and it takes you everything to get out of bed in the morning and you're, you're trying to show up for life, it gets very, very frustrating. And so, um, and I have very few people that I see in my office that don't have some level of adrenal fatigue, insufficiency challenges going on because we live in a very fast paced, high demand uh, society where, you know, us as people become very low on the totem pole of priorities a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And that's mm-hmm. just part of society, right? So, so when you are waking up and you're doing everything throughout your day to take care of everybody else, and then at the end of the day, when you don't have anything left, that's your time that's supposed to be taking care of you. <laughs> you know, you can see very quickly how we end up in a position where we're the ones depleted. And the challenge is if we're the ones depleted, the rest of the ship goes down if we're in charge of running it, right? So that's true. So, um, you know, it's for me, it's really, I don't know, it's one of the areas that I really enjoy working with and seeing uh, patients with, I mean, I like it all, but it's also very close to the heart, you know, because when you work with people with adrenal fatigue, you get to know who they are and what motivates them and what they're passionate about and how their thought process work. And, you know, you really get to know um how they operate. And I find people fascinating. I think, I think human being, you know, we're just fascinating creatures because <laughs> I can be standing there looking at the exact same thing that you are and we're seeing it completely differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Really fascinating. And so with adrenal fatigue, you know, a lot of that comes from the way that we perceive our lives and how we interact in the world. And so when you get when you start to work with someone about that and you start to be able to create a new reality for them, it's really empowering and it's really empowering to watch them become empowered. Right. Cause it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, right. You know, I don't have to live my life this way. I don't have to feel this way. Um, and there are things that I can do to change that. Like it's, it's really neat. So, um, and also when you're completely adrenal fatigued, you really don't have the capacity to do that for yourself yet. So that's also one area where I find working with patients really does help is, is to get them to the point where they can do that for themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes to you, what are, what would be some of the presenting symptoms? Uh, What are they that, that would lead you to think, ah, this could be adrenal fatigue or I'll bet this is adrenal fatigue. 
Oh my gosh. So many things. Um, you know, the, the bottom of the barrel. So adrenal fatigue, if you ever read up on it, has multiple stages to it, right? So, um, the breakdown of three that I give people is the acute stage. That's where, where, you know, if someone ever comes up behind you and spooks you and you have that complete burst and then you sort of sit down for a couple minutes and then you're okay. That's that acute stage. The second stage is the tired, but wired stage. So you're tired but you can't sleep you can't rest you got to keep moving your head hits a pillow your thoughts going a mile a minute you know you're waking up multiple times throughout the night it's that kind of go 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 even though all you want to do is just sit still right um and then the third stage is just complete burnout like it takes you everything to get out of bed in the morning and we fluctuate throughout these stages because we make these hormones naturally in our body right so it's just a matter of if we're spending them faster than we're making them um, but so what I'm watching for is, you know, people who are at that, that really struggling, it takes me everything to get out of the bed in the morning, can't control their emotions. I see that quite often. Um, when they're at that really, really low stage, they can't control their emotions. So I have you know, big CEO people running companies coming in, sitting, crying in my office going, you know, <laughs> I don't do this. I run a hundred people and you know, blah, blah, blah. And I can't keep my stuff together right now. Right. Um, that kind of picture or just the picture of, you know, not managing yourself well, right. Or having that dip in the middle of the day and not being able to come back from that or getting through your work day, no problem. And then getting home and sitting on the couch and not being able to do anything, but just stare at the TV or the wall or, you know, not wanting to exercise, not wanting to feed yourself properly. Like there, there's a whole spectrum of where that is. Sleep is a big one. That's a good indicator for me, how they're sleeping. If they fall asleep easily, if they stay asleep, if they wake up feeling rested, um, that's an early stage one for me usually is the sleep dysregulation that happens with people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always part of the whole picture, right? Is your, how's your thyroid doing? If do you have a thyroid condition happening? Cause that usually indicates that things have been building for a long time in the burnout stage. Um, you know, how are your hormonal system, right? Cause they're all tied. It's all your hormonal system. So for women, how's your menses? Um, you know, how do you manage that? Uh, how's your libido? How's your digestion? Cause they all, they all tie together. So, mm-hmm. um, really it's a lot about understanding where they're at. People quite frequently say, this is not me. I'm not like this, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody's an expert in themselves, right? So when someone says that to me, that gives me a pretty good indication that they're no, they're not like this. This is not how they normally are. And, um, and then you look at that and go, okay, well, how were you? And when did that change? And how did it change? And then you start to get a pretty good track record of how things shifted. And then what does life look like for you? Right? How much are you giving out versus how much are you taking in? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's, it becomes pretty clear. And there's always tests, right? You, That's what I was going to ask you is what lab work would you suggest? Like, for example, if somebody is is relating to what you're saying, they're feeling like this, um, mm-hmm. and they would like to um, take the reins of their health care, maybe, maybe the only person they have is an MD and so, maybe somebody who isn't that knowledgeable in this area. Um, what kinds of tests would you say, you know, ask your doctor to do these tests? 
Well, if you want to know how your adrenals are doing, uh, you want to do a hormone test. So um, the ideal test is that you're looking at everything. So you're looking at your hormones. So, you know, for women, and that's who I see more often than not, it's your estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And that's the same for men, though. Um, you want to look at your DHEA, pardon me, and then your cortisol. And so cortisol fluctuates throughout the day. So if you can, you want to do a four-point cortisol, which is you you test your cortisol four times throughout the day uh, rather than just once. Mm-hmm. And then that gives you a pretty good idea of, of what your cortisol is at. You can also look at your melatonin because especially if you're having a sleep issue going on because melatonin is the hormone that our brain releases when it gets dark. It helps us sleep, but cortisol works against melatonin. So um, if your cortisol is high or it's spiking in the evening when it's not supposed to, that's going to affect your, your sleep quality. It's going to affect your melatonin levels as well. So um, the, the general one that I, I do with patients is a urine or saliva, depending on what we're looking at, of a hormone panel. So the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, um, and then your four-point cortisol. And, uh, you know, we, we can go as in-depth as looking at all the breakdown of each of those as well. So let's, you know, let's see where along the pathway things are not connecting anymore, or not going well. That would be the, you know, top of the line one that you're looking at. And you'd probably do thyroid too? T T four T three T S H. If there's a thyroid picture, yeah. If there's not a thyroid picture, then no. Um, you know, in the ideal world, you'd test everything. Yes. Right? So you have you have the availability to look at everything and go, okay. In the reality world, you get very specific about what you're looking at. Um you know, because one, well, basically, it can get down to cost for patients or availability, right? And so when you look at that, and those are just two very real life things that you have to navigate through. So in the ideal world, I'd look at everything in the, you know, reality world, if we were talking about hormones, um, you know, in your adrenal fatigue in particular, then that would be the first one that I'd look at is your cortisol levels, at least just your cortisol levels, right? Um, if, if you do have a thyroid picture, um, or you've got a lot of that fatigue going on, and things aren't responding, then you would check the thyroid, you'd also check iron, too, in that case, because those are two areas that if they're not working, you know, if your iron's lower, your thyroid's not working, no matter what you do, um, they're going to stay tired until Mm -hmm until you address those issues. Right. So, yeah, you know, you've got the pathological things that you check out for. So that's low iron, that's low thyroid function when we're talking about fatigue. Okay. And then you have the, the rest of it that you look for. Where's your cortisol at? What's your DHEA at? You know, how is your hormone system working right now? Mm-hmm. Are you balanced? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And then, um, if you find that, uh, let's say the cortisol levels are wonky, what, what would you have your, your patients do? What do you recommend? You know, there's, um, it depends on what stage they are. So if they're in that primary stage, that first stage, phase mm-hmm. one, what the tests usually call it, um, of adrenal fatigue, then you're looking at just balancing with um, vitamins, vitamins and minerals. Because mm-hmm. those um cofactors is what we call them in what our uh what our body needs to make the hormones so you're basically feeding the body 
what it needs to make that hormone. Um, because when you're in phase one, the thought process is your body still has the ability to do that quite well. And it will, um, when you hit phase two, that's when you're starting to look at glandulars. So actually adrenal tissue from, from a different animal and herbs Mm -hmm. uh, and stepping it up a little bit more. And then in phase three, you're looking at definitely glandulars. And even in, in some of the really tough cases, I'll do um, some pharmaceuticals, like very, very low dose pharmaceuticals. Um, or we'll do something a bit more intensive like IV therapy, uh, where people aren't necessarily taking things orally. Um, we're giving them to them in their IV, like direct to the source through the bloodstream. So we're not worried about absorption factor. They're getting mm-hmm. those doses. So that just depends on where they're at. Again, what's available for them, what's the reality of their lifestyle and what they can do. Um, and then as much as possible, creating lifestyle stuff that that feeds that as well, right? When people are completely burnt out, it, you know, exercise is good for all of us. But if you're completely burnt out, me telling you to go run a marathon is pretty much useless. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, you know, okay, well, what can you do right now? You know, mm-hmm. where and what can we get you doing and the better you start to feel the more lifestyle things we can put into place so you're not dependent upon these um other tools you know supplements or or any external products you've got the tools already available for you in in what you do on your everyday basis Mm -hmm. um i know that when when I'm feeling really tired and exhausted and somebody asks me if I'm exercising, <laughs> I practically want to slap them because oh, yeah. I'm like, uh, no. And when I first had my thyroid crash, um, I was doing a really fun, um, it's called, called Nia and, um, it, a great aerobic exercise, great music, really fun. And I loved it. And then, I started feeling crappy afterwards because I just, it was taking too much out of me. And, mm-hmm. um, actually that was a benefit because I discovered Pilates, which really, um, has benefited me greatly. And I really like Pilates, but I had to do something that wasn't aerobic. I, I just, right. I, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I use that measurement a lot for patients, you know, say, go ahead and go do something. But if you get home and you're completely, flat out, you know, you can't, you can't get off the couch after you've done your workout, you push yourself too hard. Because that's one of the challenges when we start to feel better, we want to go out and and take on the world, you know, Mm -hmm. and what happens is you're starting to feel better because you're starting to get repleted and your body's starting to heal. Um, But you're still in that fine line where, you know, you can't just go and you get a little bit of gas in the tank, and then you decide to drive to wherever, you know, Mexico, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Like, that doesn't work. You're going to run out of gas again. So, um, you know, there's that fine line and that's a lot about helping to navigate patients and, and keep them balanced in, in that, you know, what's, what's a healthy amount, what's not a healthy amount and, and where you go from there. So there's a lot of stuff that's available to us, um, that comes from the earth or that comes from our food, uh, you know, that we can use that helps us a lot. So I really try and point, get people to do that as much as possible first before we go to other things, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's just my philosophy and where it goes. Mm-hmm. That's also what the body recognizes and uses very easily. So I know when we're using food as medicine, as long as your digestive tract is healthy, your body's going to take it all up and you're not going to react to it in a negative way because you, you recognize it, right? Mm-hmm. Your body knows mm-hmm. it is. had this for however many long or however 
long years you've been eating it or whatever. So um, if we can do that as much as we can, that's great. And then you just go step by step through where they're at and you, you, I match people where they're at and we go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you just mentioned as long as their digestion's okay. I've been, uh, reading up about the gut microbiome and, and, and dysbio, gut dysbiosis. And, um, is, is there an, a connection and interrelation with adrenal fatigue? Yeah. Huge, 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 huge. Um, and that's something maybe on a different day we can talk about this idea of SIBO. Okay. Later on. That's you and me tidbit Um, Mm -hmm. because that's coming out on the forefront now and it's fascinating um, when we talk about digestion and microbes. Uh, When we're under stress, which is when we're under stress and our body's in the sympathetic nervous system, so the fight or flight mode, mm-hmm. um, we a whole cascade of events happens, one of which is our blood flow gets shunted more towards our limbs and our eyes so we can see better and run faster because our body thinks it's under threat, uh, which means that it shuts down our digestive tract and our reproductive tract for the most part because when we talk about priorities and survival – you know, it's more important to get away from the threat than it is to eat or Mm -hmm. reproduce, which is really what those systems are for, right? So people who are living in a chronically, um, chronic state of fight or flight or sympathetic nervous system, or stress, you know, whichever term you want to use, um, they're really limiting the amount of energy that's going towards their digestive tract. And so they can really run into trouble with if that's a long time standing, their body's not producing the digestive enzymes as well to break down the food. Um, it's not going through the breakdown process as well. So you're not getting the nutrients. It's not absorbing them as well. You know, there's there's a lot of pieces to the digestive tract that can happen. So usually when you're under stress, and I know certainly for me when I'm under stress, I usually don't feel stress, but I have behavioral things that will come up. So for me personally, my appetite will disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's a pretty big indicator to me. Okay, you're not hungry. Something's going on. You're pretty stressed out, right? Because it's not uncommon for you to say, well, what's your stress level for for me to say to people, what's your stress level? And for them to say, oh, zero. (laughs) You kind of sit back and look at them and go, really? (laughs) I don't think I've ever met a zero. I'm not like in real life. I don't think right. I've actually ever met a zero, right? Um, and then they start talking about other things, right? Uh, eating habits, bowel function, all of that. And, and you sort of go, okay, well, you know, that's that doesn't sound quite balanced to me. So let's talk about it. So for me, it's I have no appetite. Every exam period, without fail, my appetite would go. I wouldn't want to feed myself. And then after the exam period, I get acid reflux. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Never ever had that problem before, right? But med school exam, and it was habitual every time, you know, because that's just what what happened for me. So I didn't feel stressed when I was in exam period, but those things would happen in my body, and so that just indicates to you how closely tied our digestive tract is. If if you want to experiment with this, um, when you're stressed or you're scared or you're in that fight or flight mode, mm-hmm. check if you have saliva in your mouth, because saliva is the first indicator for our body to say hey we've got food coming right we smell good food we salivate well that's got enzymes in it that help to break down carbohydrates in our mouth so um you know see if you can make saliva when you're in that mode right so are you so is what i'm hearing you say that if you have a dry mouth you're you may be under stress well there's a difference between being dehydrated and being stressed right so people who have really bad anxiety 
for example, right? Because anxiety is is a part of that fight or flight mode. Our body's going into that stress response. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what I'll have them do when they're in the middle of that anxiety is make saliva in their mouth because we're, we're trying to pull them back to that parasympathetic mode, that rest and digest mode, right? Um, so, you know, it's an experiment to to have people do is just to recognize how closely those two systems are are tied together. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm just, I'm still trying to understand. So, okay, let's see if I'm hearing you correctly. So um, when a person say they're anxious about something um, and that would may cause a dry mouth. And so to have the person uh, consciously uh, try to make saliva. Mm -hmm. So that it's not that it makes a dry mouth. It's that you don't make saliva. Mm. Okay, and you're not making saliva because you're not, let's see, because you're not digesting, you're not, the anxiety is causing your system to take away from your digestion because of the fight-flight response. To go more towards your nervous system. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's about priorities, right? Our bodies, we're survival, we're survival animals, right? So it's about priorities. So it's not, you know, we don't walk around with saliva in our mouth all day. Right. Mm-hmm. But if we smell a really great meal, mm-hmm. we'll have saliva. Mm-hmm. If we smell a really great meal when we're in a fight or flight response, you know, um, that doesn't necessarily happen. So it's one of those things that you can do to just, you know, just test yourself out. Right. It's it's all circumstantial because you can have a dry mouth because you're just not drinking enough water and you're dehydrated. That can happen as right. well. It's just one of those testers that. Um, I have people do when they recognize, you know, especially when I see them in a fight or flight response and mm-hmm. I watch them and I go, okay, you know, make saliva in your mouth right now. Do you have any saliva in your mouth? And they'll go, no. Can you make some? No. Okay. Let's, let's try that. Let's get that happening. Right. That's how close those systems are tied together. There's really not any one system in the body that's not tied to another one. It's just how the body works. It's the beauty of the human body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like uh, body awareness, like for you, you, you know what your bot, what happens in your body when you're stressed, um, to be, oh, try to be aware of or pay attention to when you're stressed or anxious. What, what happens in your body? Do you tense up? Do you get constipated? Do, does your digestive system do something different as kind of signals to get you to pay attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call those red flags. Mm-hmm. So what are your red flags? What right? are your red flags? So, you know, when someone comes in and they've been in this state for however long, I'll go, okay, and we walk backwards, right? Let's go backwards. And then you start to see the red flags that pop up. You know, what are the indicators? And and uh, that and that's part of my training, right, is to recognize what those look like. But that's you start to see them and go, okay, yeah, okay. So this is not, you know, for you, this happened two months ago. For me, it sounds like this has been happening in your body for about two years, you know, just mm-hmm, lesser mm-hmm. scale until you start to listen, right? Because mm-hmm. do not feel good. So we're very good at not paying attention when we feel good. <laughs> You don't realize you feel good until you don't feel good is basically what happens, right? Well, true. I mean, you can have a pain in your body and it's your focus. Like my shoulder is my thing and it's, you know, it's hurting and I, I'm always focusing on it. And then one day I'll go, oh, gee, I didn't realize that's not hurting anymore. It's like, right. I don't even know it. It's not hurting anymore. <laughs> it's, oh, come on. What 
last time we talked about it. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, I think that's, yeah, that's part of it. So I find that so crazy. I know. I know. It's really, people are interesting. We're very interesting in that way. When you start to learn, you know, and pay attention, right? Yeah. I, what came to me was one way to t- to start paying attention and training yourself to, to notice what your body does. Maybe with journaling, would that be, might be something that you might have somebody do or? Journaling really helps. Um journaling, uh, you know, it depends on the personality. Um, I know for me, I really, people told me for a long time to journal and I just, it just didn't want to. I don't know. There's mm-hmm. just something about it. Right. Um, but, you know, so someone else said, you know what, just go outside and recognize five hmm. things. I liked being outside, you know, it helped me focus in five things, no problem, right? Didn't take a lot of time. And so I started doing that. And so I just started recognizing things. And it was in the context of, you know, with people who have a lot of trouble with, um, they don't see the beauty in a lot of things, you know, because there's a lot of beauty in in even not feeling good and going through that process and learning things, right? So I'll say, you know, go find five things, go outside and find five things that are not perfect and appreciate them. You know, so this idea of being perfect, right? Especially if there's a lot of stress in someone's life, this idea I have to be perfect. Well, there is no such thing. And if there was, life would be very boring. Um, but you have to learn how to appreciate imperfection, right? And so uh, having someone go outside and, and look at things that are imperfect and, and finding beauty in them, right? A crack in your, in your, the wall of your house. Well, still, your <laughs> house is still standing. So that's pretty imperfectly perfect, you know? Um, and so that for me, I'm more of a, I like to move. I'm more of a movement person. So that worked better for me. Uh, people who like to do art or journal, you know, that works better for them. Um, or, you know, it's, it's finding what mm-hmm. works for people in that way. And sometimes it's baby steps. Now I journal. Now I understand that journaling won't take, you know, half of my <laughs> life every day to do. It takes five minutes, but I had to do something that I found a lot easier that took the same mm-hmm, amount of time mm-hmm. first. Um, so, but that's a great way to connect with yourself and, and, and do that. Yeah. Journaling, walking, recognizing, you know, just being present, right. With paying attention to what your hands touching, how does that feel? You know, what, what does it look like? Those kind of things are just, it's about really coming back to the now moment. Cause we spend a lot of time being in our heads or being, you know, ahead of ourselves or behind ourselves mm-hmm. or somewhere mm-hmm. else. So it's pulling that well, back. Especially if you don't feel good. I think it can be a great tendency to not really want to be here and, you know, so a tendency right. to focus on the past or the future. Right. Well, I, I did a talk last night um, and it was mm-hmm. about sleep and how to improve sleep. And, you know, the idea that when we're tossed, you know, you're tossing and turning all night or you're waking up a lot at night, you, there's a lot of pathological, physiological um, reasons that can be happening for that. But if you want to look at it from a more spiritual, mental, emotional perspective, mm-hmm. right, you just you go, OK, body, what the heck's going on? Like, why are you having such a hard time relaxing right now? right? Or brain. Okay, brain. Why are you having such a hard time relaxing? You're obviously trying to communicate with me. It's dark. I'm not doing anything <laughs> else but laying here. 
you know, I'm not eating, I'm not driving, I'm not working, whatever, you know, I'm just laying still and you're, you're not letting me. So what's going on here? And, um, you know, just giving yourself that time to really not, not berate it, not get mm-hmm. frustrated with it, not judge it, you know, but just say, okay, I'm listening go ahead. And, you know, for a lot of people, when that when this is new for them, I'll say set a timer, you know, set two minutes and go fine for two minutes, I'm gonna listen. And then after that, I'm gonna do you know, whatever you want, or blah, blah, blah. So and that's the same idea with pain, right is um, uh, it's there's a lot of talk about that psychosomatic pain and, and that idea of where is it coming? You know, where is it actually coming from? If you really want to start to connect with your body, that's how your body's communicating with you at that time for whatever reason. So if you'd like to explore that more, you know, then you have you do have to sit with it. And so that can feel really overwhelming when you mm-hmm. have pain because mm-hmm. pain hurts. So you know, setting a timer is something that uh, is is a good idea because any you can do anything. That's for true. That's true. <laughs> Well, it works for me. I may not work for many people, but what I've found, and it's always hard to be, it, I mean, it's easy to do, but it's hard for me to get out of bed because all I want to do is friggin' go to sleep. But when I finally go, all right, get up and I stretch, I go on the floor and I have a little stretching routine that I do. And, um, almost always I'll just go back to bed and fall asleep. I don't know what it is about stretching, but that mm. seems to work for me. Right. Well, and it's finding what works for you. Right. And and that's another big piece is that, you know, is there something you can do before you getting to bed that that helps that or is that just part of where your body's at right now? Or, you know, so that's that's really um, that's what we call very individualized medicine. Right. It's finding what works mm-hmm. for you because it's going to be different for everyone. And there's no right, no wrong, no judgment associated with it. It's just right. what it is. So- Try different things and see what works for you. Yeah. Explore. Right? Mm-hmm. Play. is is Play sounds a lot more fun. <laughs> so play with it. Right? Like play with what's going on. Play with your body. Play with your mind. Right? Like explore it in that way. Absolutely. Or sometimes I find just reading, it gets my mind, if, if it's my mind that's kind of zooming around, um, if I just read for a while and that it kind of stops the cycle, it kind of, it breaks it. And then I just, uh, you know, my eyes start drooping and then I just put the book down and fall asleep. With the mm-hmm. sleep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Everybody has their mm-hmm. tools, right? Well, awesome. This has been great. I hope that people get a lot out of this. I think you've got given us a lot of great information. Is there anything else that uh, you can think of that you'd like to share? You know, I don't think so. I think, um, I think certainly one of the most important things is if you're not reaching out or, um, you know, not, not communicating because you feel embarrassed or judgmental towards feeling this way. And when I say this way, you know, it's really anyway, but when we go back to adrenal fatigue, that idea of being tired and not being able to get through your day or not being able to get through your day as well as you hope, hope that you could or want to, or believe that you can, um, or know that you can, you know, the, you're not alone. And I see this really often with people that I get to see, 
you know, people who come in over and over again with very similar things going on. And, and one thing that I do all the time is remind them, like, you know, you're not alone. You're, you're probably not the only person I've even seen today that's going mm-hmm. through this. And a lot of us don't realize that. Um, I think with the younger generations, we're starting to get better at communicating that kind of stuff and seeing it more as a, um, an opportunity rather than a embarrassment, mm-hmm. you know, especially the older generations, I think that idea of asking for help and um, acknowledging weakness, you know, as or what's perceived to be weakness is um, something that was ingrained, I think a little bit more. And so I find it really empowering uh, when you start to express what's going on with you. And you would be surprised at how many people go, Oh, my gosh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about you know, or yeah, I've been there and and here's what I tried or, you know, and it can be a complete stranger and they become your best friend because they understand what they're talking about. You know, they understand what you're talking about. And, and so it's really important that if you're feeling not at your best, um, to explore Mm -hmm. that, you know, with, with people and to express that and to own it. And, you know, there's a difference between acknowledging it versus letting it run your Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but it's really important because I do believe that we all have the opportunity to live our best lives and whatever that looks like for you. Right. And so if, if there is something that's inhibiting that and adrenal fatigue is a really big one for a lot of people, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. So, um, don't be shy about that and, and let that be an opportunity for you to create some new connections with people, some, to meet some new people, to learn about things that are available that you didn't know about before, mm-hmm. right? Whether it be a, a certain type of medicine or a book or, you know, a, a new practice like a yoga or a meditation or stretching or, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. is, right? Um, a whole lot all at once. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be just any one thing. But I think that that's really important to recognize and, and to embrace how empowering it is uh, for you to share your story with other people because you might be the doorway that lets them open up. And that's that's a gift. That's a Absolutely. gift. Absolutely. I, I can personally attest to that. I have met so many people who somehow we get on the subject of thyroid and adrenal issues. And, um, you know, I do my best to share anything that that I can to help that person direct them into getting some better help and giving them some support and something positive to hold on to that they don't have to feel like crap for the rest of their lives that they can get help and there is help and they maybe they just haven't found it yet. Yeah, and don't give up hope in that way. You know, it, it's really important that you do um, recognize who you're getting help from and what their training is and and what they do and what they know what they do and that you feel comfortable with them, right? Like, and that you'll trust them because if you don't, that there are other people who are, who have that training that you can feel comfortable with because that's really important too. And I encourage people to do um, that piece as well. But, you know, I had a really great lesson that I had was my naturopath when I was in school, you know, she was saying, well, did you, have you asked for help? You know? And I'm like, no, of (laughs) of course not. Like what, why would I do that? Right. I wasn't raised to ask for help. I was raised to figure it out. So, and she said, well, you know how you feel when you help someone? I said, yeah. And she's like, feels pretty good. And I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, when you don't ask for help, you're preventing that person from feeling that way, you know? And that was really humbling for me to recognize like, Oh, 
you know, I'm stopping someone from feeling that because I'm not asking for help when I really need Mm -hmm. it. You know, so when you look at it from that way, you're like, well, actually, I'm doing you a huge favor by telling you all of my problems <laughs> and letting you help me work through them. <laughs> you know, like, completely changes the spin on things in that way. But that was really helpful. And so, yeah, and just really, your body is your machine through this life. And, and it deserves to be taken care of and to be respected. And, you know, people, we spend to, or we tend to spend a lot more time and energy and finances on our cars um, and maintaining them than we do mm-hmm. on our bodies. And we forget that, you know, your car really won't matter if your body's not working. Um, actually, I find nothing really matters very much if you're not feeling well. It, it, right. You know, it doesn't make any difference what you have or don't have. Um, if you're not feeling well, it just it just pulls everything down. And, you know, if I one of the things I'd like to say to people is that if you're seeing a, a healthcare practitioner of some sort and you're not getting the help you need, don't be afraid to find someone else because not every healthcare practitioner is interested in the same things or specializes in the same things or has uh, a background that, um, or knowledge that may help what particular, um, thing is going on with you. And to, to, to look around, ask questions, um, you know, call, call different practitioners and let them know what's going on with you and ask them, you know, how would you approach this? You know, what would you, what would you do? Um, find somebody who can take a different approach than what you're getting now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important. That's really important. Um, and really empowering. And you know what? It's, it's sometimes it's a matter of, I have patients where I go, okay, this is as far as we can get together right now. You need to go see this person to deal with this piece and, and they're better equipped to do it, to guide you through that than I am. And then when that piece is done, come on back and we'll deal with this piece, you know? And so that's not personal. That's just doing best mm-hmm, medicine, mm-hmm. really. You know, and care for someone is recognizing that. And, and uh, we all have the right for that, right? So I think that that's just important to really empower yourself with that knowledge that you get to choose. And some people you work really well with, some mm-hmm. people you don't. And there's, that's just what it is. There's nothing <laughs> um, wrong with that. That's just what it is. So I think that that's a really important piece for everybody to recognize and to feel comfortable with and to have trust with um, because it is, we have to have a foundation of trust with everyone. Right. right. Yeah. And authenticity. Right. And there's no reason to, to not feel good. Um, you know, if, if you find someone who can help you feel good, maybe it's going to be a multi-pronged approach. You know, like you were saying, yeah. you know, if, if someone, if you feel like you've taken them as far as you can right now and they need to do something else and then come back or, or whatever the scenario might be, it's, I love it when I'm working with people who are willing to work with other healthcare practitioners and, you know, it's a team and work together because not everyone has the whole answer. Oh, yeah. You know, Janine, if you knew how many practitioners I have for me, <laughs> <laughs> like across the board, right? And I do, I really, and they each serve a very wonderful purpose in my life. And I, respect them all and appreciate them all and, and utilize them Mm -hmm. all. Right. And there's just times in life when you need that and times in life when you don't, but you know, I, I very, very proactive about creating my healthcare Mm -hmm. team 
and having a healthcare team that's available to me, even when I'm healthy, because when I'm not healthy, I want to know that they're going to be there for me. So creating those relationships and, um, you know, becoming a patient to them and, and doing all that, that's really important. So, you know, I have some people are like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, embarrassed or why I have this practitioner. Is it okay that I'm seeing them? And I'm like, are you kidding? That's amazing. Yes. You know, like build your team. It's about a team approach and how can the team help you? Right. So I have a team and I support anybody else getting that, getting their own team. Right. I think that's awesome advice. And, you know, don't wait until you don't feel good to have someone that you trust. I think it's important to develop a relationship with at least one healthcare Mm -hmm. practitioner um, so that when something does happen, you've already got a relationship built and they know you, they know who you are um, and they can do such a much better job of helping you. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, yes. thank you so much, Dr. Diana Draper. Thank you, Janine. It's good to Yeah, thank you. And uh, we will talk again soon. Okay, sounds good. Have a great week. Well, what is it? <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Thank you, Dr. Draper. That was very informative. I learned a lot. I hope our listeners did too. If you want to learn more about Dr. Draper and her services, go to drdianadraper.com. D-R, Diana, D-I-A-N-A, Draper, D-R-A-P-E-R.com. That's her website. And thank you so much, Diana. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. I know you're a busy gal. And take care, all. Be well. That brings us to the end of our show. I hope you found something of value that you can use in your life. Thanks for listening. The Keeping It Real with Janine podcast comes out every two weeks. Questions, comments, or podcast topic ideas? We'd love to hear from you. Email at realjanine at gmail.com or Twitter at realjanine. Remember to spell Janine correctly, J-A-N-E-A-N. Check out the show notes, extras, and bonus recipes at our blog, realjanine.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Be well. 